Kings. All right, 1 Kings chapter 18 tonight, the book of 1 Kings chapter number 18. The book of 1 Kings chapter number 18, and as you find your place, if you're able to, uh, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word, 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings chapter number 18. And we're going to pick up kind of in the middle of this chapter. We won't read uh, to the end of the chapter, but kind of give us some context, and we'll build primarily through this chapter a very familiar passage of Scripture, and uh, we'll preach what thus saith the Lord tonight. 1 Kings chapter number 18, and we're going to pick up actually in verse number 16. Here's what the Bible says. 1 Kings 18, verse 16 says, So Obadiah went to meet Ahab. And told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Verse 17, And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20, the Bible says, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered all the prophets together into Mount Carmel. It's kind of a thought here. Ahab's the king of Israel. A very wicked man. A very violent man. He's got a crazy wife by the name of Jezebel. Yet when the prophet of God says, Here's what I want you to do, he does it. It's kind of a thought. Kind of a thought there. Verse 21, the Bible says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. The title of the message tonight is simply this. So, how long will you? How long will you? Father, we thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity we have to be back in your house this Wednesday night. Lord, thank you for the word of God that we hold in our hands. I pray tonight that the message would be uh, concise and clear. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our heart. Lord, help me tonight to recall the things I've studied and I've prayed over. Um, Lord, I'm thankful for this passage and really even the last couple of weeks how this passage has spoken to my heart and challenged me in a couple of areas of my life personally. Lord, you know my heart tonight. I pray that this message would be encouragement to Riverside Baptist Church, whether they're here in person, or even those people that are watching over on live stream, or that you might just be honored and glorified in everything that is said and done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. <coughs> About 20 minutes before the, uh, the service, I went to go load the, my notes up onto my iPad, and all of a sudden you get that dreaded will not work message on your iPad. So I had to print my notes out tonight, old-fashioned style here, and then I'm, I'm up here and the, the air's blowing. I'm thinking, man, this might be a very interesting sermon tonight. So we'll try to stick to the notes and, and make sure that it's clear and concise tonight. The passage uh, has its setting within here in 1 Kings chapter 18, when the spiritual tide, if you would, of Israel is at an extremely low ebb of life. Uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to go to the beginning part of 1 Kings, but by the time we get to chapter number 18, can we just say it like this? that the spirituality of Israel is at an all-time low. It's at an all-time disgusting state, if one just put it very bluntly. And we're going to kind of get into some specifics tonight. I'll 
I, I, I know it's a, it's a Wednesday night. I know we have kids in here, but man, really to understand the text and the passage here tonight, we need to understand how bad it really is for the nation of Israel and how bad it is as Elijah comes on the scene and begins to preach and say, thus saith the Lord. But we're years past the conquest of Canaan. We're years past the Jordan River crossing with uh, Joshua and the Ark of the Covenant and, and, and the nation of Israel. We're years past Jericho. We're years past the impact of the judges. We think about the judges. We think about the book of Judges and how God appointed uh, men and, and even used ladies in the, in the judging of the nation of Israel for their sin and their debauchery and their idolatry. We're years past that taking place. By the time we get to 1 Kings chapter 18, we're even past the reign of Saul and David and Solomon in the glory days, if you would, of the nation of Israel and the building of the temple under King Solomon and all the things that take place. No, by the time we get to 1 Kings chapter 18, here's what we find. We find a divided kingdom. We find a kingdom that's been divided in half. It's been completely separated, if you would. And the Bible tells us, and if you study your Bible, that 10 northern tribes make up what we find here in our text as the nation of Israel and then two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, make up the kingdom of Judah. And so there's a split, if you would, of God's people and of God's plan, of God's design. Never good. Listen, when we go against God's plan and God's design, it's never good. And even for the nation of Israel in its entirety, in all 12 tribes that represent the nation of Israel, it wasn't good. It was never God's plan for this to take place. But here we find ourselves in 1 Kings chapter number 18 where that's exactly what's taking place. And so we find here a, a people, if you would, a congregation of people, let's just be honest, for years have not been doing right in the sight of God. For years, their establishment of the nation has not been right with God. There, for years, what has taken place when it comes from a spiritual perspective or from a political perspective has not been right. Can you kind of see some parallels where we're going here tonight? There's some establishing that has taken place by the time we get to 1 Kings chapter number 18 that God, look, I believe, looks down from heaven and is like, I'm not happy with what I see. I, I'm not encouraged by what I see. I'm not edified by what I see. I, I, I'm not encouraged by the fact that my people, who are called by my name, have, have dispersed themselves and there's division that goes on and there's conflict between the tribes. I'm not happy with that. But by the time we get to 1 Kings chapter 18, we're introduced to Two individual characters. We know the prophet Elijah, and we know most of us know the story very well, but we're introduced to a man by the name of King Ahab. Hold your place in chapter 18 and go back to chapter 16. We're kind of describe the man or the character, if you would, that Ahab is tonight, really to kind of get us the picture. And we're going we're gonna to build on the platform, if you would, kind of the picture and, and the scene of what takes place. By the time we get to 1 Kings 18, we're introduced to Ahab, and Ahab is the seventh king of Israel. So he's the seventh king, and, and all, by all accounts and purposes, Ahab was the worst of all the kings that Israel would have. Notice in chapter number 16, look down in verse number 29, what the Bible says. It says, in the 30 and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. So Asa is the king of Judah, so that's the southern kingdoms. So as Asa's ruling down in Judah, uh, Ahab begins ruling in the northern tribes or in Israel. And the Bible says this. It says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. That's a pretty bold statement already that as God writes in 1 Kings chapter 16, that as, as Ahab begins to reign, 
already God is saying he's the worst of them all. But God didn't stop there. Look what else God says in verse number 31. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab, watch what God says here, verse 33, and Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more, watch what God says, to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now, we're not talking about just some guy who happened to get in a position of authority. No, no, we're talking about somebody who's calculated, got into become the king, and as not just the king over Israel, but the fact that the Bible tells us that he married Jezebel, and you study it out, Jezebel's dad was a priest in the priestly line, if you would, of, of Baal. Then the Bible tells us that Ahab began to bring Baal worship into the nation of Israel, but he didn't stop right there. The Bible tells us specifically, if you look at it in verse number 33, that he made a grove. He's a drunkard. Man, he's about himself. And the Bible says that it provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure wouldn't want God to say that about me. I sure would not want God to say, man, because of Brother Andrew's decisions, because of Andrew Rodriguez's decisions, I'm provoked to anger. But that's where Ahab was. No, no, no. Ahab Ahab wasn't some guy just off the street. No, no. He was an Israelite. He was of the tribe of Judah. He was of, the, of God's chosen people, yet he had gone to a point in his life where he had chose to idolatry and chose to worship Baal and chose the grove and chose all those things that would provoke God to anger. That's the type of guy we're dealing with. Man, wicked, 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 wicked. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 18 now. He marries Jezebel. And this, the message tonight isn't about Jezebel. I'd encourage you, if you want, to read about Jezebel. But listen, if somebody says, man, stop acting like Jezebel, that's not a compliment. (laughs) Husbands, never tell your wife, stop acting like Jezebel. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. That, That's not good. Not good. But the influence of Jezebel, Jezebel had on Ahab, was this, that Ahab would forsake God, would forsake the worship of God, and instead would worship the idol Baal. Now, Baal, if you study Baal, Baal was the chief of the Canaanite gods. And as he tries to, to counterfeit, if you would, the God uh, and, and, and the God, uh, uh, Jehovah God, he, there are some specific things about Baal that I want to pull out tonight for us to see. It said that Baal was the son of a God called El. To Christians, this is a false God, but interestingly, interestingly one of the names of our God is El Shaddai. So there's a similarity, if you would, between the Canaanite god Baal and a parallel here, if you would, between Jehovah God. And so what happens is, is that Ahab looks at this and sees a similarity and goes, it's not that big of a deal. We're going somewhere with this. Let me keep reading here. He says, supposedly, Baal was killed at one point in time and raised from the dead. Kind of interesting, isn't it? He's the son of El who was killed and raised from the dead. Who does that remind you of? Jesus Christ. Hey, listen tonight, you know what it teaches us? It teaches us this, that religion from generations to generations, years gone by, has always tried to emulate who? Jehovah God. 
And if we would just purpose in our life, if we would just purpose in our, in our walk with God to stick to the word of God and not be carried away by every wind of doctrine, by every philosophy that's out there, by every false doctrine that's out there, because if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves worshiping Baal. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves lockstep in tune with Baal worship. So Brother Angel, I would never walk around saying I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping Baal. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But Baal also is this. Baal was a fertility god. And his worship involved sex parties. Temple prostitutes supported the temple worship of Baal. Its worship was filled with perversion, homosexuality, immorality, and sexual promiscuity. That kind of sounds like America, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like the culture that we live in today. I watched a video, I believe it was yesterday, it was either Monday, uh, it was yesterday, of an elementary school teacher. She was having a back-to-school Zoom call with first, second, and third graders. She recommended a book named this, Jack, Not Jackie. She recommended a book, Jack, Not Jackie, to first, second, and third grade boys and girls. Listen up, folks. We better wake up and realize tonight what is out there. That we live in a culture, we live in an environment that wants to wipe away God. And here's how they're starting and how they're doing it with our kids. With our kids. Doesn't, listen, we've got to be extra careful, parents, about what our kids watch, what our kids read, what our kids look at on Facebook, on YouTube. Any, we've got to be careful because the influence is there. But it wasn't just that Baal was a fertility god, but Baal also, there was sacrifice of children. Child sacrifice was part of Baal worship. Children were sacrificed to a god by the name of Moloch in the Old Testament, and Baal worship went right in line with child sacrifice. We can agree tonight that worship of Baal had absolutely no business in the life of the children of Israel. That's common sense, thinking about it, studying it out. But regardless of what Ahab did, the example that's set forth by the leader of Israel, God's people chose what? They chose to go in line with exactly what Ahab did, exactly what Jezebel did. And here in 1 Kings chapter 18, God gives us a prophet by the name of Elijah, and Elijah comes on the scene, and he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. In 1 Kings chapter 17, this isn't what God wants. This isn't God's plan. Uh, Israel, repent of your sin. That's the message that Elijah gives. But the problem is, listen, the problem is, is that Ahab's like, no, we're good. The problem is, is that Jezebel's like, definitely not repenting. We're good. I'm good to go. The problem is, is that the people of Israel are comfortable where they're at. They've, listen, they've been, they've bought into society. They've bought into the system. They bought into the similarities, if you would, of Baal and Jehovah God. So much so, so much so that God's like, I'm not pleased. I'm not happy. I'm not encouraged by what I see. Elijah, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to send rain for three, three and a half years as judgment. Elijah, he can't argue with God. Okay, God, I want to get their attention, Elijah. I'm going to try to get their attention. So God doesn't send rain. We pick up in 1 Kings chapter number 18. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 17. It says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Art thou he? Listen, here's Ahab. He's reigning. He's, he's king of Israel. He's got a wicked wife. He's got Baal worship. He's, he's, he's got the groves. He's got the, the altar, the Baal. He's got this, this, this inappropriate stuff that goes on in, in worship of Baal. 
And he's the one that has the audacity to call out Elijah and say, hey, aren't thou the one that troubleth Israel? Aren't thou the one that is the problem, is the, is the, is the one that's causing this rain not to fall? And it's funny because Ahab here, in his sin, in his, in his, in his wickedness, is failing to see that he's the problem. He's the problem. So, Brother Andrew, how does this relate to me tonight? Could it be tonight that we, in our sin, we fail to see that we're the problem? Could it be tonight that in our wickedness and in our vices and in our lack of spirituality that we fail to see that we're the problem? No, no, we live in a society that that preaches and teaches that it's everybody else's fault but your own. It's everybody else's fault that that you've got the, the low end of the straw, per se. It's everybody else's fault that you don't have this and you don't have that and we need to do this for you, we need to do that for you. Hold up, listen. We've gotten to that point that we're just like Ahab. We've gotten to that point to where we look at life and we're thinking, man, it's everybody else's fault but mine. The sad thing is, is that when we look in the mirror in the morning, hopefully, we look in the mirror in the morning, fix our hair, brush our teeth, then man, the last thing that we're thinking is, man, that person that's looking at me, they're a wicked, vile sinner. And they're in need of the grace of God. No, no, we'll point out everybody else's fault. We'll look at everybody else's being that's sticking out of their eye. But God forbid we look at our own self in that mirror and go, man, that sucker's huge. That's where Ahab was. No, 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 no. Hey, it hadn't rained for three and a half years. No crops, no water. Man, man, it's people frustrated, people mad. Hey, it had to affect Ahab. It had to affect Ahab and his, and his, his, his meals. It had to affect everything that Ahab had, man, man his, his horses, his, his grove. I don't know if you realize this, but Brother Joe, you kind of farm a little bit. You kind of, kind of have water to get stuff to grow, right? I mean, you need water for things to grow. You need water for things to grow. I remember when we put the sod out here, I'm like, Lord, please let it rain. And it rained, and it rained, and rained, and rained. We put those bushes out on the, the, little, the new part over here, and man, half of them are dead. You know what? <laughs> Figured out, even they got too much water. Anyway, they got that much rain. Listen, there was no rain in Israel. And it, here's what it did. It affected Ahab's bottom dollar. That's what, that's what it did. It affected Ahab's bottom dollar. So here's Ahab. Elijah, man, you're the one that troubleth Israel. You're the troublemaker. You're the problem. Man, you, man if, if it wasn't for you, things would be better. Can I just say this? Sometimes that can be our attitude too. Sometimes we can approach, we can approach life with the mindset of this. Man, it's their fault. It's their fault. Man, if they would just leave me alone, if they would just say this, if they would just do this, man, if they wouldn't talk to me about this, man, if they wouldn't do this, man, man, if they would just do, you fill in the blank. And our mindset is, man, I'm good to go. Good to go. I remember, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, our pastor stood up here in the pulpit on a Sunday night and preached a message about revival and challenged us to read the Gospels. How you doing? Challenge us to read, just read the Gospels. He's not asking you to read the book of Matthew in one day. He's just saying, hey, and remember he said, he, he, he made it easy for us. He's like, I already did the math. He's like, three, three and a half chapters. He goes, man, if you would do four chapters a day, you'd get done early. But some of us haven't even started. Some of us have gotten halfway through Matthew. Some of us have gotten three verses on in. And then we just kind of threw in the towel. Well, man, that's, that's pre- Pastor Marshall. I, I don't know. I don't know. If we're not careful tonight, we can find a lot of our own selves in Ahab's mentality. We can find ourselves in Ahab's spirit, in Ahab's approach to the man of God. 
That's really what we're going to see here tonight. Ahab's approach to the man of God is, hey, listen, Elijah, you're the problem. Pastor Marshall, you're the problem. No, no, it's there. It's there. Oh, man, he asked me to read my Bible. Then he asked me to give up something. (sighs) What am I going to give up? What am I going to give up? Crystal asked me the other day what I gave up. I said, broccoli. Amen. No, no, in all seriousness, that's kind of our mindset sometimes, isn't it? Man, preacher's challenging me. Man, seriously, what does he think? Does he, like, does he think he's my pastor or something? Does he think he's the man of God? Does he think he's the, the prophet of God? Does he think he's supposed to challenge me from the word of God? Yes. That's what God's called him to do. Hey, listen, God didn't call Elijah to go, hey, Ahab, listen, Ahab, I, man, I want to be your friend, and I just, Ahab, I love you, and I just, I'm going to pet you, and, you know, listen, if you would, if you would just repent, Ahab, if you would just do what God says, then the rain would come. That's not how Elijah approached it, not at all, because look what takes place. Here's Ahab, he's calling out Elijah, saying, hey, Elijah, thou art he that troubleth Israel. Look what he says, verse 18, and he answered, here's Elijah's answer. I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. I, I, I'm picturing it like this, that, like, that Ahab's like riding his chariot on by, you know. Whoop! There's Elijah. <laughs> Elijah, thou hast troubled Israel. Thou art the troublemaker. You're the one. You're the reason why there's no rain. And in my mind, I'm picturing this, this rough, gruff, Man of God by the name of Elijah going, oh, no, sir, I'm not. You are, because you have forsaken God's commandments, and you've worshiped idols. Look what he says. Look what he says, verse 18. He says, you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. No, no, there's no mixing words when it comes to Elijah. There's no like, well, let me tread lightly. Elijah point blank calls out Ahab and says, Ahab, I'm not the problem you are. I'm not the one that's the issue. Listen, God doesn't have an issue with me. He has an issue with you. It'd be good for us to know this, man, this is just calling all introduction here. It'd be good for us to realize tonight that our problems in life aren't because of somebody else. They're not because of the situations in our life. They're not, listen, they're not because of, of, of bad parenting. They're not because of what we didn't get an upper hand on something or because we got a bad grade. No, no, listen. Our problems in life are our own doing. And the best thing that we can do, the best thing as Christians that we can do is acknowledge our faults and our failures. Listen, I'm not the Christian I should be. I don't read my Bible like I should. I don't pray like I should. I'm not a witness and a testimony like I should. I struggle with besetting sins. You name it. Listen, if, you have, if you're honest with God, it benefits you. But the problem tonight is this, is we're going to come in in a couple weeks and we're going to ask God for revival. We're going to beg God for revival. We're going to be praying all week long. Maybe we're even fasting all week long that God would speak to our heart. And man, maybe we might have a service and, and the, the, great, the God just falls down from heaven and the altars are packed and we're sobbing and we see people get saved, people get their hearts right with God. And listen, and Brother Woodcock leaves, then all of a sudden there it goes. It's gone again. It's gone again. Now we just kind of go through the motions. We just kind of go through the motions. Ah, man, wasn't that a great revival service? Man, man, that was good. God really spoke to my heart. Dude, that was like a month ago. God spoken to your heart since? 
You know how I can say that? Because a month ago, most of us were up on a mountain. A month ago, most of us were hitting an altar, broken, weeping over our sin, weeping over our addiction, weeping over the things that God convicted us about. Yet this last month, you know what I've seen, Brother Mike? I've seen a drawn back. Well, Brother Andrew, it's just not the same. Why is it not? I'm trying to think here. I thought about this afternoon. You know, Brother Woodcock preached from a King James Bible. Our pastor preaches from a King James Bible. Hey, our Sunday school teachers, deacons, preach from a King James Bible. It's not the Bible. Well, you know, it's just different. We had hymnals up at camp. Kind of sing same songs down here too. It's not the singing. Well, you know, brother, I just, I just, no, no, let's just be honest tonight. Let's just be honest. The reason why we don't see God move and work in our life, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Listen, it's not the man of God's fault. Know whose fault it is? It's our own. And Ahab was willing to point it out to Elijah. Elijah, you're the problem. Elijah's like, oh, stop, time out. I'm not the problem. You are. Look what he said, verse 18. I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Followed Balaam. Elijah gets direct with Ahab and tells him specifically why and how he's troubled Israel. He gives him two reasons. Reason number one, he forsook God's commandments. This is where the trouble for you and I begins. A troubler forsook the word of God and the God of the word. If you and I forsake the Lord and his word, we'll bring trouble into our life. You know, where, you, know where, you know where the trouble for Israel came? The trouble for Israel came not when Elijah showed up on the scene. The trouble for Israel came not when it was the, the years, and listen, the years and years of no rain. You know when the trouble came? The trouble came when Ahab made a conscious decision to forsake God's commandments. You know where our trouble comes? When we make a conscious decision to forsake the God of this Bible. Bottom line. When you and I make a decision and we say, well, you know, this word of God is not that important. Living a holy, righteous life is not that important. Living a separated life is not that important. Man, living for God is not that important. That's when the trouble begins. And here's what Elijah says. Ahab, you brought the trouble upon yourself when you forsook God's commandments. Now, I noticed in that verse, in verse number 18, if you notice that, the word commandments is what? It's plural. It's plural. You know what that means? That means you and I don't get to pick and choose what we want to obey. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not in that mindset philosophy of Christianity where we're like, well, you know, a little leaven doesn't hurt that much. A little sin doesn't hurt that much. I've been reading a book, uh, an audio book called Dangerous, Dangerous Calling, and it's about the pastoral ministry, and the, the preacher that's writing this book is talking about how many preachers who have gotten uh, uh, just uh, distance from the ministry, if you would, and he's talking about how they, do, they bring things in their life that they never expected, like alcohol, like pornography, like gambling. No, no, listen, when we choose to disobey the commandments of God, we're asking for trouble in our life. Israel had trouble. Ahab had trouble. Jezebel had trouble. Why? Because they disobeyed God's commandments. So listen, why do we think that if we do the exact same thing, God would respond differently? Why would, why would we expect, listen, why would we expect, young people, 
that when we openly disobey God, that as we go to God and say, God, I really need to know your will for my life. God, I really want to know what you want me to do with my life. God, I really want to surrender. I want to give my all. I want my life to mean have purpose, to have meaning. Why would we expect a holy and a righteous God to bend an ear to us and say, I hear you, when we are blatantly disobeying God's commandments? It doesn't work that way. I can't find that in Scripture. I can't find that in Scripture. Listen, most of you parents in here wouldn't allow your child to disrespect you, would you? Where's Levi at? Levi. Raise your hand, Levi. Levi is five. I love Levi. He's a blessing. He's pretty honorary sometimes, but he's a blessing. Man, if, if, if Levi, if I went to Levi tomorrow and said, hey, Levi, I need you to go clean your room. And Levi looked at me and said, whatever. <sighs> oh, no, if Levi looked at me and said, yeah, right, dude. Get a life. Levi, I need you to clean your room. No. No. Uh, Levi, I need you to clean your room. No, hold up. God ever spoken to you, and that's how you've responded? God ever challenged you in your walk with him, and you've responded the same way? You may not have verbally have said, no, God, but man, you maybe have looked at God and gone, I'm going to think about this one. Oh, no. That's what, that's what Ahab had done. He'd forsaken God, yet he wanted God's blessing. And then number two, look at the text there. It says this, that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Reason number one was the forsaken of God's commandment, but reason number two was this, following Baal. They were following the wrong thing because they had forsaken the truth. Can I say this? Anytime you and I as Christians, as God's children, when we forsake the truth of the word of God, we're going to find ourselves following things that aren't truthful. We'll find ourselves following things that aren't edifying. Listen, we'll have bad influences in our life. We'll have bad friends have bad music, have bad social uh, environment, we'll, we'll do things, listen, we'll do things that we have never imagined, never imagined we would do. But he made a conscious choice to follow after Baal. So here's what Elijah does. Look at verse number 19. He says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450 and the prophets of the groves, 400, which ate at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered to the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. So as the people gather here in verse number 21, we pick up, here's what Elijah tells the people. And Elijah came unto all the people. Now he's not addressing Ahab. He's not addressing the prophets of Baal. He's looking at God's people. He's looking at God's children. Here's what he says. How long halt ye between two opinions? How long halt ye between two opinions? Here's the struggle tonight. You and I are faced with two different opinions in life. We're faced with the same exact thing that the nation of Israel is faced with here on Mount Carmel. You do realize tonight that Mount Carmel wasn't a, Mount Carmel was a place of worship for Baal. It was specific within the Phoenicians that Mount Carmel had a spiritual representation for the God, Baal. So Elijah's gra he's, he's gathered the nation of Israel on top of Mount Carmel. He's gathered all God's people for this, show, this big, huge showdown that's going to take place between him and 450 prophets of Baal. Between him, Ahab and Jezebel. 
listen, between him and the so-called God of Baal. He brings him up to this mountain, and here's what he says. How long will you halt between two opinions? I find that, in, that, that, that statement very interesting. The word halt carries with the idea of this, wavering, tottering away, swaying or limping. Here's the problem. God's people were crippled by indecisiveness. They were wavering back and forth between Baal and God. That they wouldn't just make a decision to live for God. And here's the sad thing. Look at, look at the verse number 21, the latter part, the very end. And the people answered him, not a word. Not a word. Many of us tonight, we struggle with the decision of whether or not we're going to live for God. And here's why. Because we have forsaken God's commandments. We have forsaken the commandments of God. So man, Brother Andrew, that's pretty bold to make on a Wednesday night. Well, remember going back to the very beginning when I said that our problems aren't somebody else's problems, our problems are our problem? If we're honest with ourselves tonight, we look ourselves in the mirror, we'll realize this. I am not the Christian I should be, nor am I the Christian I want to be. If you look yourself in the mirror tonight and you go, man, I am, I am God's gift. You just missed this whole message. Well, so man, that's, that's really, really, really negative. I don't like how negative this is. No, no, no. In order for us to see the positive, the positive side of this, we've got to begin with the negative. That we're not, listen, we're not as good and as godly as we make ourselves out to be. So we get to this point in life because we forsake God's commandments. Watch. And then we worship Baal. Well, Brother Andrew, ah, there's no such and such Baal church in St. Joseph. There's no Baal religion. No, no, no. You know what the Baal, the religion of Baal is a representation of? Self. The religion of Baal is a representation of self. That ourselves, our pride, our ego, our own pleasure, would be, become prominent in our life to where the things of God would take a lower stage. Hey, listen, the worship of Baal centered around, listen, centered around the immorality that took place in the temple. Fulfilling the fleshly desires of the flesh. That's what was taking place in the temple of Baal. Is that not the same in America today? Is that not this, listen, is that not the same when we go to public school, or we go to a university, or we go to the job site, that it's all about fulfilling our own flesh, fulfilling our own selves? It's exactly what's taking place here. When you and I forsake God's commandments, here's what follows. We begin to worship self. Say, so can you prove it? Sure. Remember the illustration I gave just a few minutes ago about camp? And we hit the altar at camp. Man, we were challenged at camp. Man, we're, ch we're challenged. But man, down here, man, they're going to see me go to the altar. And they're going to see me weep and cry and grab my brother or sister in Christ and have them go pray with me. Oh, we got our guard up now. But yeah, we want revival. We want to see God move. And here's what Elijah looks at the people. And he says this, How long will ye halt? Between two opinions. Riverside Baptist Church, how long tonight will you halt between two opinions? How long will you and I 
Look at God. Knowing he, no, listen, knowing the truth of the gospel. I mean, just, just, just even going on in that text, we're about out of time here, going on in that text, and the representation of Elijah and the altar and what takes place. You realize that there's five, there's five things. The Bible tells us there's, there's five things. Go back and read. There's five things that when the fire falls down from heaven that God consumes. He consumes the offering. He consumes the wood. He consumes the stones. He consumes the water. Listen, and my favorite part, he consumes the dust. You know what five is? Five is a picture of grace. That even in Israel's rebellion and idolatry, God still loved them enough to give them grace. They had to make a choice. And here's their choice. You go on and read in that chapter. Here's what they say. The Lord, they don't say this, He is a God. He might be a God. No, no, they say the Lord is the God. You and I are faced tonight with one of two options. Either we're going to live for God and serve God, regardless of anybody else. We're going to get things right with God, so when we come in for the revival meeting, God can really speak to our heart. Or we're going to serve self. Or we're going to look at somebody else and go, man, I would serve God, but Michael. I would serve God, but Miss Pam. I would serve God, but Brother Doug. I would serve God, but Pastor Marshall. I would serve God, but Brother Andrew. I would serve God, but Brother Mike. Oh, no. You and I are faced with one of two options. So how long, church, how long are we going to halt between two opinions? How long are we going to play the game and expect God to bless? How long are we going to go through the motions on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a Wednesday night, and Thursday night for youth group, and Saturday morning for visitation, and Friday night refiners, and Saturday morning for men of the word, and, 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 and recharge, and missions conference, and how long are we going to play the game before we recognize tonight that God's like, here's what I want. I just want you to obey my commandments and I want you to live and worship and love me. How long are you going to halt? How long are you going to stand there and go, well, you know what? I got to make a decision. Because look at, look at our text. Look what happens here. Verse number 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Now watch what takes place. And the people answered him, not a what? Not a word. We'll finish with this. Every time we meet corporately as a church, every time we meet corporately as a church, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every time we meet for a revival service, every time we meet for tea night on Thursday night and the word of God is open, anytime we meet for men of the word, anytime we meet for ladies lift, anytime the word of God is open, and the word of God is preached or taught or presented, we are faced with one of two options. Either we are going to heed to it, or are we going to forsake it? Well, Brother Andrew, I, I, I don't forsake God. I don't forsake His word. Here's the deal. Your actions speak louder than your words. Our actions speak louder than our words. So how, how do you say that? Because when challenged by the man of God, here's what the people did. They answered not a word. Here's what's really amazing, Brother Mike. As you go on in that chapter, we know the story. The prophets of Baal build an altar. They take a bullock. They dance on it. They're screaming. Elijah watches them from 9 a.m. to noon. Just stands back and watches them like this. And they're doing all kinds of crazy things to try to get Baal's attention. At noon, at noon Elijah kind of steps it up a little bit. 
hey, he's sleeping, he can't hear you, he's on a journey, get a little louder, and they start cutting themselves, you know, all kinds of crazy things. Listen, that goes on for six, seven hours. You would think that the people of God, after watching that, would be like, yeah, this ain't working. This ain't working. Yeah, Baal, he's not really God. He's not the God. No, no. You know what it took? It took, it took Elijah building an altar. It, looked, it took Elijah dumping 12 barrels of water on the sacrifice. It took Elijah reciting a 63-word prayer to God in heaven on behalf of the people. It took fire coming down from heaven before the people said, the Lord, he is God. Well, man, Brother Andrew, if you just built an altar right here and put sacrifice on it and then you prayed 12 words and the fire came down, man, then I'd believe, then I'd serve God. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. But here's what ought to cause us to serve God. The picture that I see here. It's a picture of grace. God gave the nation of Israel grace and used the man of God to demonstrate it. And I think years and years and years after our text in 1 Kings chapter number 18, there was a man by the name of Jesus Christ that went to the cross of Calvary. He bore your sin. He bore my sin. And showed me grace, listen, when I was yet dead in my sins. If that doesn't motivate me to obey His commandments, to live for Him, and to worship Him, no fire that I could have fall down, no, no trick, no magic trick, no nothing, would convince you you need to live for God. So how long will you, will I, halt between two opinions? Man, I hope not long. What a shame to go through a week of revival and walk out those doors on a Friday night and look at pastor and say, well, God didn't speak to my heart this week. I'm expecting God to speak to my heart. But in order for him to speak to my heart, I have to be right with him. I have to make sure I choose the right opinion. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege, the opportunity again to be in your house. Lord, thank you for this passage, challenge from the word of God. Lord, I, I hate to think tonight that there might be some in our midst or maybe even some that are watching on live stream that when they look at their life, they're just like the nation of Israel. They're just, or they're halted between two opinions. No, Lord, I, I know that deep down inside there, there's not a congregation of people here that hate you and don't love you and don't want to serve you. But Lord, we're all sinners. Lord, we all struggle. We struggle with this flesh. We struggle in this life. We struggle with peer pressure. We struggle with our own ego and our own pride and our own selfishness. And yet, God, you show us grace on a daily basis. And Lord, you desire to move and work in our heart and our life. I pray that you would. Lord, maybe tonight we've been challenged up at camp about our walk and our relationship with you. And we've come home. And it's, a, it's a month now away from camp. And Kind of things getting back in the groove and gotten back on our cell phones, gotten back listening to the music, around the friends that we shouldn't, got back with that attitude that you spoke to us about, got back with that spirit, that Ahab type spirit where it's everybody else's fault but my own. Lord, however you've spoken tonight, we just ask and pray that your spirit would move and work in hearts and lives. In Christ's name we praise. We stand tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. Altars are open if God's spoken to your heart and encourage you to do business with God.